بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين الله جل وعلا begins Surah Al-Fajr by taking five straight oaths he begins by saying Wal-Fajr by the dawn here he is taking an oath by the dawn it could be the dawn it could be Salatul Fajr it could be that he mentions the beginning of the day and what's actually intended is the whole day, so all the daylight hours. He then says, وَلَيَالٍ عَشْرٍ And the 10 days. Which 10 days? The scholars mention a lot of detail. The opinion chosen by most of the Mufassireen is that these are the first 10 days of Dhul Hijjah. As is mentioned in a hadith of Rasulullah wasallam, the best days wherein good deeds are beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are these first 10 days of Dhul Hijjah. Again, another mas'ala to mention, when it comes to the daylight hours of these days, they are the best throughout the year. As for the nighttime hours, we find that the best nighttime hours are in the month of Ramadan, the last 10 days. So here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is taking an oath by these first 10 nights of Dhul Hijjah. He says, Wal Fajr. When looking at these five oaths, the scholars differ as to how to interpret all of them. Some of them say that since Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking about these first 10 nights of Dhul Hijjah, that means all these five qasams, all these five oaths are speaking about days and times in Hajj. So if we look at this opinion, we'll find that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Wal Fajr by the dawn, here he is referring to the specific day which is Yawmun Nahr, the day of Eid where the slaughter takes place. And this occurs during the Hajj, Wal Fajr, Walayalin Ashr. Then he is taking an oath by the 10 nights of Dhul Hijjah, the first 10 nights. Washafi Wal Watr, referring to the days of Nahr, the days of slaughter, and Al Watr referring to the day of Arafah. Allah Jalla wa'ala then says, and the night when it passes. And they mention that this night is referring to the night of Muzdalifah. This tafsir or this explanation is according to those who say that all these qasams, all these oaths are speaking about the days or certain specific times during the Hajj. Another way of interpreting it is that not all the verses are speaking about times in Hajj. So when Allah Jalla wa'ala says, Fajr taking an oath by the dawn or by daybreak or the whole day in itself. This is referring to every day or all days. He then says, عشر, The ten nights, these ten nights are referring to the first ten nights in Dhul Hijjah. Shafi' is anything that's in pairs. Al-Watr or Witr refers to something being one or singular. The scholars then differ when it comes to what exactly is being referred to here. Some mention that al-shafi' as we mentioned before are some of the days in Hajj and al-Watr the same. Others say it's referring to our salawat, our salah that we read because some of these units of prayer have even numbers in them and others have odd numbers in them. Others mention Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is referring to al-shafi' as all the creation. As for al-watr, which is singular, or it also means the one and only, then here it is referring to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We could say here Allah is taking an oath by everything that's in pairs and singular. Wa shafi wal-watr. 
والليل إذا يسر and the night when it's about to pass another opinion as Ibn Kathir rahimahullah mentions the night when it's about to enter because at the beginning of the surah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the dawn and here he's actually referring to the whole day and in this verse where he is speaking about the night Ibn Kathir rahimahullah mentions that it's more befitting to say that it's referring to the beginning part of the night as an indication or to show the whole night. So it's as though Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the beginning of the surah up to this point, he's mentioned or taken an oath by the whole day and the whole night. He then says, هَلْ فِي ذَلِكَ قَسَمٌ لِذِي حِجْرٍ in all these oaths he has taken, is it not something that convinces a person who ponders over it? Hijr is referring to a person of intelligence, somebody who ponders and reflects and uses his intelligence. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is basically taking an oath by the night, by the day, by some of the actions and some of the days of the year wherein good deeds are carried out and he's calling us to ponder over these things. He then goes on to mention the destruction of three groups of tyrants. The first group he mentions are the people of Ad. He says, Alam tara kayfa fa'ala rabbuka bi'ad? Did you not see? Do you not know what your Lord, your Rabb, did to the people of Ad? Alam tara kayfa fa'ala rabbuka bi'ad? Irama dhatil imad allati lam yukhlaq mithluha fil bilad. When it comes to these two verses, Again, the scholars mention a lot of detail. Is this referring to the people themselves or is it referring to their dwellings? We will take both interpretations. Let's go with the first interpretation where it's referring to the people of Ad themselves. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, Iram could be the lineage of the people of Ad. It could be one of their great grandfathers or one of their names. If it's referring to them as people, it could be that these people were extremely big and strong. They were very tall. They were given strength and might, which people after them were not given. And these people who had this stature and this strength, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not create anybody like them. If we interpret it as these two verses speaking about their dwelling places, we would say, Allah Jalla wa'ala says, Alam tara kayfa fa'ala rabbuka bi'ad? Did you not see or do you not know what your Lord, your Rabb, did to the people of Ad? Iram could be referring to their city or the place where they came from. Thatil imad could mean that they had tall structures, big, big pillars. And these structures or pillars were not created anywhere else. There are other opinions that the Mufassirin mention. For those who want to go into more detail, they can look in the books of Tafsir. Allah Jalla wa ala then speaks about the next group of people. He says, As for Thamud, they were people who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had granted them the power and the ability to carve through the rocks. They could go through and cut through the rocks and build their houses or make their houses in them. Bilwad, Bilwad was where they lived. So it is mentioned that their dwellings are found if one goes from Al-Madina to Asham. And the people those days, they used to travel that road a lot. And they would pass the dwellings of the people of Thamud. Allah Jalla wa Ala then says, 
وفرعون ذي الأوتاد The third group of people or the third army which was destroyed was that of فرعون ذي الأوتاد وتد means a pig Here the Mufassirin mention a few different meanings The first is this could be referring to the might and the army that Fir'aun had. He had put everything in place and he was living like a person who thought he would never die and his kingdom would never be taken away. Another opinion is that he used to have pigs, so he used to tie the people to pigs. Each hand would be on a pig and each leg would be on a pig, so you would have four pigs and then he would torture them to death. So he would take a rock and then throw it on them. Allah Jalla wa'ala then mentions that these three groups, they exceeded the limits, they oppressed themselves, they disobeyed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They increased in their mischief and their wrongdoing. And Allah Jalla wa'ala sent down his punishment on all of them. He destroyed every single one of them. Indeed, Allah Jalla wa'ala is the one who hears and sees. Everything is recorded. He knows everything that goes on. Sometimes he may delay people and give them a chance. You know, they carry on oppressing, oppressing, oppressing. Allah gives them a chance. He gives them a chance. And eventually when he seizes them, then his punishment is painful. After mentioning these three groups of people and how they were given a lot of goodness and a lot of bounties when it came to material and worldly life. The people of Ad had strength. The people of Thamud, they were able to take beautiful houses and dwellings straight into the rock. The people of Fir'aun, Fir'aun and his people, they were given a lot of wealth and they were given power. Allah Jalla wa'ala then speaks about people who look at things apparently and don't realize what life or what tests actually are. الْإِنسَانُ As for the person, the human being, the one who rejected, إِذَا مَبْتَلَاهُ رَبُّهُ فَأَكْرَمَهُ وَنَعْأَمَهُ when Allah Jalla wa'ala tests him by honoring him and giving him wealth and giving him everything, فَيَقُولُ رَبِّي أَكْرَمًا He says that my Lord has most definitely honored me. These people think that success and honor from the Creator means he has given you a lot of wealth and he has given you a lot of bounties. Allah Jalla wa'ala then says, وَأَمَّا إِذَا مَبْتَلَاهُ فَقَدَرَ عَلَيْهِ رِزْقَهُ فَيَقُولُ رَبِّي أَهَانًا as for when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests him by not giving him wealth, by keeping his wealth less and not giving him worldly benefits and worldly bounties, then he says, my Lord has humiliated me, he's disgraced me. Allah jalla wa'ala says, kalla. It's not how they think it to be. This judgment or your status in the eyes of the creator is not according to how much wealth you have. Things do not go or are not judged according to your material possession. He then says, In fact, you don't honor, you don't give the orphan its due right. When it comes to poor people, you don't feed them and you don't encourage others to feed them and help them. In fact, when it comes to inheritance, you eat the inheritance that's yours and also that which is not yours. You eat from the orphans, you don't give them what's their due right. You eat from the women, you don't give them their due right. You want to eat what's yours and also what's not yours. Allah Jalla wa'ala then says, 
and you love wealth. You love this worldly position greatly. This wealth, you want to acquire it by all means. Whether it's halal, whether it's haram, whether it's lawful for you, unlawful for you. You just want it for yourself and you want to usurp the rights of others. Look at how Allah is warning those who don't believe in him, who don't believe in the last day. And telling them that everything is not to do with material and it's not to do with wealth. Judgment and your status is not to do with how much money or your position and status in society. Kalla, nay. When the earth has been shaken and shaken once again, it's been shaken consecutively and you find that it becomes flattened. All the mountains and everything that's on it is destroyed. The earth becomes flat. And your Lord, your Rabb, Allah He himself will come and the Malaika, the angels will come in lines. On that day, Jahannam, the fire will be brought. It's mentioned in a hadith by Rasulullah recorded in Sahih Muslim, that Jahannam will be brought. It will be pulled by 70,000 chains and on each chain there will be 70,000 angels pulling. May Allah protect us. On that day when Jahannam will be brought and these people will see this, they rejected this day. They didn't give others their due rights. This person who rejected, this person who disbelieved, on that day he will realize and he will want to take heed. But now it's too late to benefit from the reminder. It's too late to do any good. Allah Jalla wa'ala then says, يَقُولُ يَا لَيْتَنِي قَدَّمْتُ لِحَيَاتِي This person will say, how I wish I brought something forward. I did some good deeds for my life, for the real life, this afterlife. يَقُولُ يَا لَيْتَنِي قَدَّمْتُ لِحَيَاتِي فَيَوْمَئِذِ لَا يُعَذِّبُ عَذَابَهُ أَحَدِ Nobody will be able to punish like how he will punish on that day. Punishment will be severe from Allah And nobody will be able to tie up and bind like how he will tie up and bind on that day. This is all referring to the punishment of those who disbelieved. Allah then speaks about his believers. He speaks about those who obeyed. Addressing the believing soul, the one which was content, content in believing in Allah. Content in knowing that the truth and the promise will most definitely come. Ya ayyatuhan nafsul mutma'inna. Irji'i ila rabbiki radiyatan mardiyah. Return to your Lord. Return to your Rabb whilst you are happy. It will be happy with the reward it will be given. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be happy with this soul. This soul is the one that obeyed him. Irji'i ila rabbiki radiyatan mardiyah. It's mentioned that this message will be given to the believer's soul on more than one occasion. He will be given this glad tiding when his soul is coming out. When the angels meet him and give him glad tidings of Jannah and also on the day of Qiyamah, Allah then says, Enter into or join my other pious worshippers. And enter into Jannah. We ask Allah to make us from these people. Amin. There's a lot that we can derive from this surah. 
An interesting point some of the scholars mention is at the beginning of this surah, Allah Jalla wa'ala speaks about the dawn or the daybreak when the light is just coming out. He then speaks about some of the tyrants, the groups of people who oppressed Fir'aun as well as Ad and Thamud. He then speaks about their destruction. They derive from this that no matter how difficult your situation may be, no matter what hardship you may be going through, remember, in the same way, the darkness of the night is followed by the bright sunlight, in the same way that difficulty, narrowness and darkness opens. Also, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoke about a group of tyrants who had their time and then he destroyed them. And in the same way, all oppression and difficulty comes to an end Bi-ithnillah. We ask Allah Jalla wa Ala to grant us all goodness and beneficial knowledge. Ameen. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.